Section 37 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 8. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M.B. in Washington State. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 8, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton, 1821-1890, through 1890, Section 37. When it was the eight hundred and eightieth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the wazir of the Frankish king put out to sea in the ship bearing Miriam the girdle-girl, she gazed Alexandra words till the city was hidden from her sight, when she wailed and wept copious tears, and recited these couplets. O dwelling of my friends, say, is there no return uswards? But what can I of matters Allah made? Still fare the ships of severance, sailing hastily, and in my wounded eyelids tear have ta'en their stead. For parting from a friend who was my wish and will, healed every ill and every pain and pang allayed. Be thou, O Allah, substitute of me for him, such charge some day the care of thee shall not evade. Then she could not refrain from weeping and wailing. So the patrician knights came up to her and would have comforted her, but she heeded not their consoling words, being distracted by the claims of passion and love-longing, as she shed tears and moaned and complained and recited these couplets. The tongue of love within my vitals speaketh, saying, This lover-boon of love I seeketh, and burn my liver hottest coals of passion, and parting on my heart sore suffering reeketh. How shall I face this fiery love concealing, when from my wounded lids the tear eye leaketh. In this plight Miriam abode during all the voyage. No peace was left her at all, nor would patience come at her call. Such was her case in company with the wazir, the monocular, the lamedher. But as regards Nur al-Din, the Kareen, when the ship had sailed with Miriam, the world was straitened upon him, and he had neither peace nor patience. He returned to the lodging where they twain had dwelt, and its aspect was black and gloomy in his sight. Then he saw the metier wherewith she had been wont to make the zones, and her dress that had been upon her beauteous body, so he pressed them to his breast, whilst the tears gushed from his eyes, and he recited these couplets. Say me, will union after parting e'er return to be, after long-lasting torments, after hopeless misery? Alas, alas, what want to be shall never more return, but grant me still return of dearest her these eyne may see. I wonder me, will Allah deign our parted lives unite, and will my dear one's plighted troth preserve with constancy? Not am I save the prey of death, since parting parted us, and will my friends consent that I a weird so deadly dree? Alas, my sorrow, sorrowing the lover scant avails, indeed I melt away in grief and passion's ecstasy. Past is the time of my delight, when were we two conjoined, would heaven i wot if destiny mine esperance will degree redouble then o heart thy pains and o mine eyes o'erflow with tears till not a tear remain within these eyne of me again alas for loved ones lost and loss of patience eke for helpers fail me and my griefs are grown beyond decree the lord of threefold worlds i pray he deign to me return my lover and we meet as wont in joy and jubilee then Nur al-Din wept with weeping galore, than which naught could be more, and peering into every corner of the room, recited these two couplets. I view their traces, and with pain I pine, and by their sometime home I weep and yearn. 
and him i pray who parting deign decree some day he deign vouchsafe me their return then nur al-din sprang to his feet and locking the door of the house fared forth running at speed to the seashore whence he fixed his eyes on the place of the ship which had carried off his miriam whilst sighs burst from his breast and tears from his lids as he recited these couplets peace be with you sans you not compensateth me the near the far two cases only here i see i yearn for you at every hour and tide as yearns for water-place wayfarer plodding wearily with you abide my hearing heart and einsight and sweeter than the honeycomb your memory then o oh my grief when fared afar your retinue and bore that ship away my sole expectancy and nur al-din wept and wailed bemoaned himself and complained crying out and saying o oh, miriam o oh, miriam was it but a vision of thee i saw in sleep or in the illusions of dreams and by reason of that which grew on him of regrets he recited these couplets mazed with thy love no more i can feign patience this heart of mine has held none dear but thee and if mine eye hath gazed on others beauty ne'er be it joyed again with the sight of thee i've sworn an oath i'll ne'er forget to love thee and sad's this breast that pines to meet with thee thou'st made me drink a love-cup full of passion blessed time when i may give the draught to thee take with thee this my form where'er thou goest and when thou art dead let me be laid near thee call on me in my tomb my bones shall answer and sigh responses to a call from thee if it were asked what wouldst thou heaven should order his will i answer first and then what pleases thee as nur al-din was in this case weeping and crying out o miriam miriam behold an old man landed from a vessel and coming up to him saw him shedding tears and hearing him reciting these verses o miriam of beauty return for these eyne are as densest clouds railing drops in line ask amid mankind and my railers shall say that mine eyelids are drowning these eyeballs of mine said the old man o my son me seemeth thou weepest for the damsel who sailed yesterday with the frank when nur al-din heard these words of the sheikh he fell down in a swoon and lay for a long while without life then coming to himself he wept with sore weeping and improvised these couplets shall we e'er be unite after severance tide and return in the perfectest cheer to bide in my heart indeed is a low of love and i am pained by the spies whom i pain deride my days i pass in amaze distraught and her image a nights i would see by side by allah no hour brings me solace of love and how can it when makebates vex me and chide a soft-sided damsel of slenderest waist her arrows of eyne on my heart hath plied her form is like bond-tree branch in garth shame her charms the sun who his face most hide did i not fear god be he glorified my fair be glorified had i cried the old man looked at him and noting his beauty and grace and symmetry and fluency of his tongue and the seductiveness of his charms had ruth on him and his heart mourned for his case now that sheikh was the captain of a ship bound to the damsel city and in this ship were a hundred muslim merchants men of the saving faith so he said to nur al-din have patience and all will yet be well i will bring thee to her and it be the will of allah extolled and exalted be he and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and eighty-first night she pursued it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the old skipper said to nur al-din i will bring thee to her inshallah the youth asked 
when shall we set out and the other said come but three days more and we will depart in peace and prosperity nur al-din rejoiced at the captain's words with joy exceeding and thanked him for his bounty and benevolence then he recalled the days of lovely estir and union with his slave-girl without peer and he shed bitter tears and recited these couplets say will to me and you the ruthful union show my lords shall e'er i win the wish of me or no a visit boon by you will shifty time vouchsafe and seize your image eyelids which so hungry grow with you were union to be sold i fain would buy but ah i see such grace doth all my means outgo then nur al-din went forthright to the market and bought what he needed of viaticum and other necessaries for the voyage and returned to the race who said to him o my son what is that thou hath with thee said he my provisions and all whereof i have need for the voyage thereupon quoth the old man laughing o my son art thou going a pleasuring to pompey's pillar verily between thee and that thou seekest is two months journey and the wind be fair and weather favourable then he took of him somewhat of money and going to the bazaar bought him a sufficiency of all that he needed for the voyage and filled him a large earthen jar with fresh water nur al-din abode in the ship three days until the merchants had made an end of their precautions and preparations and embarked when they set sail and putting out to sea fared on one and fifty days after this there came upon them corsairs pirates who sacked the ship and taking nur al-din and all therein prisoners carried them to the city of france and paraded them before the king who bade cast them into jail nur al-din amongst the number as they were being led to prison the galleon arrived with the princess miriam and the one-eyed wazir and when it made the harbour the lamiter landed and going up to the king gave him the glad news of his daughter's safe return whereupon they beat the kettle-drums for good tidings and decorated the city after the goodliest fashion then the king took horse with all his guards and lords and notables and rode down to the sea to meet her the moment the ship cast anchor she came ashore and the king saluted her and embraced her and mounting her on a bloodsteed bore her to the palace where her mother received her with open arms and asked her of her case and whether she was a maid as before or whether she had become a woman carnally known by man she replied o oh, my mother how should a girl who hath been sold from merchant to merchant in the land of moslems a slave commanded abide a virgin the merchant who bought me threatened me with the bastinado and violenced me and took my maidenhead after which he sold me to another and he again to a third when the queen heard these words the light in her eyes became night and she repeated her confession to the king who was chagrined thereat and his affair was grievous to him so he expounded her case to his grandees and patricians who said to him o king she hath been defiled by the moslems and naught will purify her save the striking off of an hundred mohammedan heads whereupon the king sent for the true believers he had imprisoned and they decapitated them one after another beginning with the captain till none was left save nur al-din they tear off a strip of his shirt and binding his eyes therewith led him to the rug of blood and were about to smite his neck when behold an ancient dame came up to the king at that very moment and said o lord thou didst vow to bestow upon each and every church five moslem captives to help us in the service thereof so allah would restore thee thy daughter the princess miriam and now she is restored to thee so do thou fulfil thy vow the king replied o my mother by the virtue of the messiah and the veritable faith there remaineth to me of the prisoners but this one captive whom they are about to put to death so take him with thee to help in the service of the church till there come to me more prisoners of the moslems 
when I will send thee other four. Hadst thou come earlier, before they hewed off the heads of these, I had given thee as many as thou wouldest have. The old woman thanked the king for his boon, and wished him continuance of life, glory, and prosperity. Then, without loss of time, she went up to Nur al-Din, whom she raised from the rug of blood, and, looking narrowly at him, saw a comely youth and a dainty, with a delicate skin, and a face like the moon at her full, whereupon she carried him to the church, and said to him, O my son, doff these clothes which are upon thee, for they are fit only for the service of the sultan. So saying, the ancient dame brought him a gown and hood of black wool and a broad girdle, in which she clad and cowled him, and after binding on his belt bade him do the service of the church. Accordingly he served the church seven days, at the end of which time, behold, the old woman came up to him and said, O Moslem, don thy silken dress, and take these ten dirhams, and go out forthright, and divert thyself abroad this day, and tarry not here a single moment, lest thou lose thy life. Quoth he, What is to do, O my mother? And quoth she, Know, O my son, that the king's daughter, the princess Miriam, the girdle-girl, hath a mind to visit the church this day, to seek a blessing by pilgrimage, and to make oblation thereto, a douceur of thank-offering, for her deliverance from the land of the Muslims, and in fulfilment of the vow she vowed to the Messiah, so he would save her. With her are four hundred damsels, not one of whom, but is perfect in beauty and loveliness, and all of them are daughters of wazirs and emirs and grandees. They will be here during this very hour, and if their eyes fall on thee in this church, they will hew thee in pieces with swords. Thereupon Nur al-Din took the ten dirhams from the ancient dame, and donning his own dress, went out to the bazaar, and walked about the city, and took his pleasure therein, till he knew its highways and gates. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the eight hundred and eighty-second night, she resumed, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Nur al-Din, after donning his own dress and taking the ten dirhams from the ancient dame, fared forth to the market streets, and wandered about a while till he knew every quarter of the city, after which he returned to the church, and saw the princess Miriam, the girdle-girl, daughter of the king of France, come up to the fane, attended by four hundred damsels, high-bosomed maids like moons, amongst whom was the daughter of the one-eyed wazir, and those of the emirs and lords of the realm, and she walked in their midst, as she were moon among stars. When his eyes fell upon her, Nur al-Din could not contain himself, but cried out from the core of his heart, O oh, Miriam! O oh, Miriam! When the damsels heard his outcry, they ran at him with swords shining bright, like flashes of leaven light, and would have slain him forthright. But the princess turned, and looking on him, knew him with fullest knowledge, and said to her maidens, Leave this youth, Doubtless he is mad, for the signs of madness be manifest on his face. When Nur al-Din heard this, he uncovered his head and rolled his eyes and made signs with his hands and twisted his legs, foaming the while at the mouth. Quoth the princess, Said I not that the poor youth was mad? Bring him to me and stand off from him, that I may hear what he saith, for I know the speech of the Arabs and will look into his case and see if his madness admit of cure or not. So they laid hold of him and brought him to her, after which they withdrew to a distance, and she said to him, Hast thou come hither on my account, and ventured thy life for my sake, and feignest thyself mad? He replied, O my lady, hast thou not heard the saying of the poet? Quoth they, Thou art surely raving mad for her thou lovest, and I, there is no pleasantness in life but for the mad, reply. Compare my madness with herself for whom I rave, if she accord therewith, then blame me not for that which I abide. 
Miriam replied, By Allah, O Nur al-Din, indeed thou hast sinned against thyself, for I warned thee of this before it befell thee, yet wouldst thou not hearken to me, but followedest thine own lust. Albeit that whereof I gave thee to know, I learned not by means of inspiration, nor physiognomy, nor dreams, but by eye-witness and very sight, for I saw the one-eyed wazir, and knew that he was not come to Alexandria, but in quest of me. Said he, O my lady Miriam, we seek refuge with Allah from the error of the intelligent. Then his affliction redoubled on him, and he recited this saying, Pass o'er my fault, for tis the wise man's want of other sins to take no harsh account and as all crimes have made my breast their sight, so thine all shapes of mercy should unite. Who from above would mercy seek to know, should first be merciful to those below. Then Nur al-Din and Princess Miriam, seized not from lovers' chiding, which to trace would be tedious, relating each to other that which had befallen them, and reciting verses and making moan one to other, of the violence of passion, and the pangs of pine and desire, whilst the tears ran down their cheeks like rivers, till there was left to them no strength to say a word. And so they continued till day departed and night darkened. Now the princess was clad in a green dress, perfled with red gold, and broidered with pearls and gems, which enhanced her beauty and loveliness and inner grace. The right well quoth the poet of her, Like the full moon she shineth in garments of all green, with loosened vest and collars and flowing hair be seen. What is thy name? I asked her, and she replied, I am she who roasts the hearts of lovers on coals of love and teen. I am the pure white silver, I the gold wherewith the bondsman from straight prison and dower released Ben. Quoth I, I'm all with rigors consumed. But on a rock, said she, such as my heart is, thy plaints are wasted clean. Even if thy heart, I answered, be rock in very deed, yet hath God caused fair water well from the rock, I ween. And when night darkened on them, the Lady Miriam went up to her women and asked them, Have ye locked the door? And they answered, Indeed, we have locked it. So she took them and went with them to a place called the Chapel of the Lady Mary the Virgin, Mother of Light, because the Nazarenes hold that there are her heart and soul. The girls betook themselves to prayer for blessings from above and circuited all the church. And when they had made an end of their visitation, the princess turned to them and said, I desire to pass the night alone in the Virgin's chapel, and seek a blessing thereof, for that yearning after it hath betided me, by reason of my long absence in the land of the Moslems. And as for you, when ye have made an end of your visitation, do you sleep whereso ye will, replied they, with love and goodly gree, be it as thou wilt. And leaving her alone in the chapel, dispersed about the church and slept. The Lady Miriam waited till they were out of sight and hearing, then went in search of Nur al-Din whom she found sitting in a corner on live coals, awaiting her. He rose and kissed her hands and feet, and she sat down and seated him by her side. Then she pulled off all that was upon her of raiment and ornaments and fine linen, and taking knurled in in her arms, strained him to her bosom. And they ceased not, she and he, from kissing and clipping and strumming to the tune of Hocus Pocus, saying the while, How short are the nights of union, and the nights of disunion, how long are they? and reciting these verses o night of union times virginal prized white star of the nights with auroral dyes thou garrest dawn after noon to rise say art thou coal in morning's eyes or wast thou slumber to bleared eyed leaf o night of parting how long thy stay whose latest hours i the first portray 
this endless circle that no ways may show breach till the coming of judgment day day when dies the lover of parting grief as they were in this mighty delight and joy engrossing they heard one of the servants of the saint smite the gong upon the roof to call the folk to the rites of their worship and he was even as saith the poet i saw him strike the gong and asked of him straightway who made the fawn at striking going so knowing eh and to my soul what smiting irketh thee the more striking the gong or striking note of going say and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say end of section thirty seven recorded by sylvia m b in washington state